Amen. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you that today we stand before you. Lord, to acknowledge and just to praise your holiness and to say what a faithful God you are. You gave your life upon a cross to pay a debt that was not owed, but you did it all for love. And so God, today, as I speak your word, and I acknowledge your kingship, Father, in all humility of heart, soul, and mind, I come before you, Lord, and ask you that you will just speak through me. Lord, as I understand the kingdom and that you rule in your kingdom, that, Father, as the prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the holiness that comes from your kingdom. That whatever would be done on earth would be done in heaven. So, Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Father, today, I pray that you will speak with clarity. And, Lord, that you will open up our hearts. God, there is someone here today that needs to hear what you have to say without any distraction upon their life. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart express your lordship. For in your word, it said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God, so I stand here with true awe and adoration. For I acknowledge that you are king. Continue to move and stir. Perform miracles. Deliver people from evil. Help us to walk. Worthy of the calling that you've given to us. As the old hymn says, Lord, I surrender all. And all to thee I freely give. In Jesus' name, amen. The King is coming. King Jesus, our Savior. I could come up here and, and, and talk to you about Palm Sunday Confessions. But I believe that God is stirring within the hearts and souls of our church and our people. And I want God to do something great. And we are so... I don't ever use this word as a word enamorated. Or we're so... Uh, pressed on constantly from the viewpoints of the world and not understanding just to what depth and, and intimacy that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But today, I'd like to speak to you on that the King is coming. Not just Jesus the King, but King Jesus, who is our Savior. God has a house. The name of his house is called his kingdom. And God's kingdom is his rule over all of his creation. And this creation is called God's house. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and all they that dwell in it. He calls the creation his abode. God decided that he was going to run his house a certain way. And the way he was going to run this house was through a creature that he would create who would run his house on his behalf for him and the creature would be called mankind. And so in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that God created what? He created Adam. He created Eve and he says, I'm going to let them rule. Now stay with me. In Psalms chapter 8, verse 4, which was just brought up in class this morning, in the men's class, here's what it reads. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? And in verse 5 it says this, For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. In verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And in Psalms 115, verse 16, it says that the heaven belongs to God, but the earth belongs to man. So God created an earth-bound creature, man, whose job was to run his house God's way. Adam dropped the ball. Because he turned the running of the earth over to the devil when he rebelled against the owner of the house. And who is the owner of the house? It is God. And when Adam rebelled against the owner of the house and he turned the house over to the devil, sin entered into the world, bringing chaos to humanity and corrupting God's creation. God wants his house back. But because of how God set it up, that he would only run his house through a man. Through a human being. He did not cancel that approach. And so he says that I need another man because the first Adam failed to run my house my way. This led to the unfolding of the Old Testament and anticipating a man who would run God's house God's way. A king. A king. If you will. Who would rule on earth from the perspective of heaven? The whole Old Testament is the anticipation of this king. The king would come through the Jews who would sit on the throne of David, who would oversee Israel and from Israel rule the world. And so the prophets anticipated this king. So Abraham's covenant anticipated this king, and David's line anticipated this king. Now, we start to see in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, here's what it says. And let's read together. 
It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And when this king comes, you will see him because he will be riding on a donkey. So... We shouldn't be surprised that when Jesus was ready to reveal his kingship, he told his disciples, go get a donkey. It's time for me to ride. Interesting, huh? When the Magi came, when Jesus was born, they said, where is he that was born king of the Jews? That we might come and do what? That we might come and worship him. So the whole testament was anticipating the arrival of this king. So when Jesus came, John the Baptist took the center stage in Matthew chapter 3 verse 2. And here's what John the Baptist says. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And When Jesus began preaching in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17... He stepped onto the stage of history, and here's what he says. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For the kingdom of heaven is right in front of you. When he sent out his disciples to preach in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, he says... And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you go out and you proclaim the kingdom of God has arrived, because the king is here. So when we talk about Jesus Christ and the name that we're talking about today, you may know him as Savior. And that he is. But today I want you to understand, and I want to make sure that you understand him as king because he is king. He has a kingdom, a house which he rules. It was this claim to his kingdom as king that got him killed. In John chapter 19, verse 14 through 22. I would like to read it together. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. (laughs) But they cried out. Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Do you love the correlation? Do you hear the word king in everything I'm reading here today? And they took away Jesus but acknowledged him as king. And he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucify him. And two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, 
This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. And then Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Pilate said, here is your king. They said, crucify him, crucify him. That's after they had laid all of their palm branches on that Palm Sunday and laid out their coats and said, Hosanna, the king has arrived. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And yet one week later, they crucified him. Fortunately today, There are many people who come to church and say, Hosanna! Yet they will walk out these doors and they will say, Crucify Him! Because we don't mind Him, Jesus carrying the title, as long as He's not telling me what to do. But let me tell you something about God's kingdom. It's not a democracy. He's not asking you for your vote. He's not seeking your permission. He wants to declare what he wants done. And Jesus wants to be your savior, but he also wants to be ruler. He wants to be the one who has final say. So over all of life matters in your life. So what does this look like? A kingdom. A kingdom is a domain over which a ruler sits and over which he exercises authority. The kingdom of heaven refers to the jurisdiction over which God rules through Christ. Isn't this good, church? As I was studying this, thank you, I was thinking how cool is it that we can really acknowledge the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me, let, me see let me see something. Where's a palm leaf? Let me have your... You got... Oh. What is happening here? What's going on? You were waving this thing during church, were you? I'm going to have to go back and watch the tape. What's going on with this thing? Started like... Okay. We get excited. We want everybody around us. We want everybody to see that we're in church. We put on that good-looking plaid suit with that black shirt because we want to be noticed. Mm -hmm. And we want everybody to know that he is king of king and lord of lords. But he's not king of your heart. He's not king of your life. And you don't acknowledge that in your kingdom that he rules and he reigns over your life and every part of it. So we come through and we're like, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. That's what I'm seeing from the inside. You might be shouting like this, but the true question is this Easter, how dedicated will you be to Christ? How many people will you touch? How many people will you say, 
This thing's crazy. I love this. I might have to, let's preach about this just today. I, I don't know. Amen, sister. Preach it. I told you there's a message right there with that little palm leaf. Blessed is you comes in the name of the Lord. We, we are not. I don't know what I did. See, I told you it was from all that praising. It just went away too. And on this Palm Sunday, we should be laying down our coats. We should be laying down our palm leaves. We should be shouting. We should be celebrating. But yet we all stand very dignified. A hair might get out of place. Somebody might look at us. They might feel some sort of way about us. Yet Jesus came to die, to be buried, to be tormented, and yet rise victorious over the grave. The kingdom of God refers to the person of God. The kingdom of heaven refers to the sphere. When Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, he did not mean my kingdom is not in this world. He means that the kingdom authority doesn't come from this world. Now, the kingdom authority I exercise in this world comes from the world that I come from. Now, here's some deep theology, right? I come from heaven down to earth to answer the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' prayer was that there would be a good to have redeemed people who would sit underneath his rule. And as they live their lives on earth, as he gives instruction from heaven. So, when we say Jesus' name is the king, you are declaring that Jesus Christ has final say over all of my choices and over all my decisions. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. We want Jesus to have final say over the decisions we agree with. Mm -hmm. We want Jesus to have final say over the decisions that we agree with. We want Jesus to have final say over the decisions we like. We want Jesus to have final say over the decisions that make me comfortable. But that's not how the rulers rule. The idea is not for the ruler to adjust to the rulee. The idea is for the rulee to adjust to the ruler. And Jesus Christ wants to be Savior. He wants to be your Messiah. He wants to be your Savior who takes you to heaven and your King who rules your life in history. Which means that your question on every subject in your life should be one important, simple question. What do you want me to do about this? What do you want me to do about this? When you begin asking the question to your king and answering that question in the affirmative, there are only two words you're supposed to give to that question. Yes, Lord. Yes, King. And when you ask that question and answer that question, you are now functioning as a citizen of his kingdom. The non-believer has no obligation whatsoever. 
But once you accept Christ and you have the nerve to get baptized, because baptism is not just that I've accepted Christ. Baptism is saying just this. And now I want you to know that I submit myself to his rule and to his authority over my life. And I will adjust my decisions to his rule. Amen, preacher. One more time. And now I want you to know that I submit myself to his rule and authority over my life. And I will adjust my decision to his rule. In his kingship. Amen. Now the problem is when we come into God's kingdom. Now I know this is probably not familiar with a lot of you. And maybe for some of you you've never heard a message like this before. And when I was doing some studying and I heard this I'm like wow. Because he always says seek you first the kingdom of God. Right? So we have to look at it. The problem is when we come into God's kingdom we bring our own rules with us. Now listen to me. We bring how we were raised. What mom taught me. What dad taught me. What the media taught me. What TikTok taught me. What this taught me. What that taught me. We bring our old way of thinking and living into this kingdom. Which means in flashing lights, conflict, conflict conflict. That's what we start to see. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your obligation is to your king, not to the crowd. That is why the Bible says you're not to be committed to this world order doesn't matter how many people like it doesn't matter how many people agree with it doesn't matter how popular it is and doesn't matter whether they say it is legal or not legal the question first and foremost is what does my king have to say what does he have to say because he rules he is my authority that's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, and his righteousness. And then it says, then all these things will be added unto you. In other words, seek my kingdom and the king has your back. Do your kingdom and you take care of yourself. I like the way Luke puts the same verse because Luke throws in something else. Luke wants you to know that when you seek first the kingdom of God... When you're in Luke chapter 12, verses 31 and 32, he says, when you seek the kingdom of God, watch this, I love this, I had to put it up on the screen, so I sent it to, to Jane, Pastor Luke, he says, it is my father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is my father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, when you get saved, which that part's easy, because you go to Jesus Christ and you acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you need a Savior, and you trust Him for the gift of eternal life. And you come through the door, 
He realizes, says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He says to every person, I am the door. You go through Jesus, and now you enter the kingdom. And in John 3, 3, it says this, And Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot enter, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So that's getting saved. That's being converted. That's being justified. That's being born again. That's when you trust Jesus Christ. That's entering the kingdom. But many of us, a lot of us do, is when we enter the kingdom, we hang out at the door. We enter the kingdom and say, oh, door, thank you for letting me in the door. Oh, it's so nice here. It's comfortable, but I made it this far. I'm inside the door. Thank you so much. It's nice to know I'm, I'm no longer outside. And what's great is I'm no longer under judgment. What a great feeling, isn't it? I, now I'm saved and I'm safe and I'm at the door. And we come to church every Sunday to celebrate the door. So God says... No, I let you in the door so that you can enter into a kingdom, so that you can enter into a whole new realm of divine rule of my kingship. You stepped in to my domain. Tap into it. Enjoy the fellowship. I think we're intimidated and afraid of what God's going to do on the other side of the door. And that's why he stands at the door and he knocks in your heart. Maybe for some of you, you've been standing outside the door and not walking through the door. See, to understand that he is king of kings and lord of lords, you have to understand his kingship. And you have to understand his authority and rule in the kingdom that he is in charge of. Right. But when you do and you bring history with you, you bring your background with you. So we walk through the door, and we have to realize that we can't do that. And what he's saying is, no, 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 you can't. Not in my house. And I know that's how it used to be out there. And you're in my house, and since you're in my house, we're going to have to deal with that. And the moment that occurs, then the kingdom suffers violence. In other words, let me put it to you like this. There's going to be a clash and that's supposed to be because the Bible says that the flesh wars against the spirit. And the spirit wars against the flesh. Boom. There's the clash. Are we walking in the spirit? Are we walking in the flesh? What a lot of people say when they hit that clash is, well, I need to get closer to Jesus. I need to get more spiritual. And you do. You do need to get more spiritual, but the first thing you need to establish is who's in charge. Because until you establish who's in charge, you will use getting close as an excuse not to deal with it. See, some of that stuff doesn't take that long. It only takes long because he is not king of your life. See, people want a savior. They don't want a king. One old preacher said, mm -hmm. you see, people don't want a savior. He might be a savior in your life, but you don't want to be the king and lord of your life. And I think many of us, they don't want Jesus Christ to call the last shot. And so, you'll want church. 
but you don't want the kingdom. You don't want rule. So this morning, I want you to look at your neighbor and I, I want you to say to them, I want the king. Go ahead. I want the king with the kingdom. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a part of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven means when you're not in heaven, because when we're not in heaven right now, that means that right now we have to carry our passport on the locations of earth that we happen to be because this is not our kingdom. For many of us, it says this, this is a foreign country. We're visiting for a certain limited period of time. Jesus Christ says this, I am king of the kingdom, and yes, I want to win you by love. And the proof that he wants to win you by love is that he doesn't force you to decide for him. He allows you to decide against him. Interesting, isn't it? So God, the king of the house, says, I'm not going. Even though you're in my house because you've accepted me as your savior, I'm not going to make you recognize my rule. I will let you rule independently of me. However, there may be consequences when you do that. But I'm not going to stop you from doing just that. Do you know what that's called in church terms? The word is used called free will. He allows you to have free will. There was once a story about a young man. He was the state wrestling champion. And when he was getting all this notoriety throughout the state for that, he got a big head. You know, most of us do that. You get kind of puffed up. You get proud because of, because of the accomplishments that you've made. I don't remember what it was, but his father asked him to do something, and he said no. His father said, excuse me, what did you just say? Have you all been there before? He said, I'm not going to do that. To which his father said, oh, yes, you are. You are going to do that. His son looked at his father and said, I'm not going to do that. It was some simple thing. He didn't feel like doing, right? He said, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. For which his father said, let me clarify something, son. If you're going to stay here, you're going to do just that. The boy insisted, well, then I don't have to stay here. His father said, well, let's walk upstairs together. And his father took out a suitcase, started packing his clothes in the suitcase. So his son was angry. He was mad. He was furious. So he started putting stuff in the suitcase as well. His father said, listen, boy, if you can't do what I say, I put clothes on your back, food in your stomach, heat in the winter, air in the summer, and you're going to tell me you can't do that? Then guess what? Here's your suitcase. You can't stay here. So his son 
being the young, big and bad athlete, just walked out of the house. Now, watch this. In his anger, he forgot a couple of things. Number one, he forgot he didn't have no job. He forgot he didn't have no money. And he forgot it was 15 degrees outside because it was the dead of winter. And about an hour later, must I say, good old dad heard the doorbell ring. He rang the doorbell, apologized, and asked for permission to come back home. Because it dawned on him, even though he didn't like his daddy's request, it's better to be with his father with something you don't like than to be away from dad doing your own thing. See, a lot of us say, God, I don't like what you're saying. But God said, but this is what I'm saying. But I don't like it. And I'm going to go the way of the world. And God says, I'm not going to stop you. But when it gets hot enough, cold enough, broke enough, trouble enough, I'm going to hear the doorbell ring. In fact, that's why some of us are in church now, because we heard the doorbell ring. And God got our undivided attention by letting us get up from the floor up and jesus name is king he is ruler he is the final authority and therefore he says repent for the kingdom of god is at hand he's not just talking about going to heaven he's talking about experiencing god's rule which starts off with what accepting the savior but the kingdom of heaven is his sphere of authority and rulership and he rules it and he does a good job at it we just need to acknowledge that. Amen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 through 20. He says, go therefore and make all disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All authority has been given to me. Not only in heaven, but he says on earth, I'm in charge of what finally happens at work. I'm in charge of what finally happens in your house. I'm in charge of what finally happens in your relationships. I'm in charge of all that. So if I'm in charge of all that, it is in your best interest to let me rule over all of that stuff. And so he says your job is to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So let me say this with you. And we'll wind things down. Repentance is the internal determination to turn. Proven by fruit that is visible demonstration that you are serious. God's not taking your word for it. You just could be in any emotional high right now. So he says, no, I want to see some fruit on this tree. You've got to show me something. God says, you got to show me something. In other words, let me see you're serious about your decision, not just by your church attendance. Mm -hmm. You must now say, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it even though I don't want to do it. And you know what that's called? That's called faith. Because faith has to operate against emotion sometimes. Say this with me. He is king. He is king. And I will give you the final designation of his name. And here's what it says in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. 
These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are called chosen, and those that are with Him are called faithful. And then in chapter 19, verse 16, it says, And He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw a beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, who sat on the horse against his army. He's not only king, he's king of kings. Now watch this, and don't miss it. He's not only king, he is king of kings. And when it talks about him being king of kings, it says the kings of the earth go against him. That means all the other chief people who think they are in charge are going to come against him. And Jesus is going to show the kings that he is not only the king, he is the king of all of the other kings. The people who think they are in charge, who think they have the last word, he is king over top of all of them. Isn't that kind of neat just to talk about Jesus being King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Woo! What a way to acknowledge Him. Think about this. The people you're afraid of. The people who have more money than you do. The people who have more clout than you. The people who have a higher position than you. Jesus said, guess what? I'm going to tell you something. I am King over them. I'm not only King over you. I'm King over the people who you think you are King over because I'm king over you. So I can not only overrule you, I can overrule the people you think can't be overruled because I'm king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. That's why no human being has the last word over me. And no human being has the last word over you because no human being is king of kings. They may be a king, but they're not the king. They may be a king, But they're not the king. You know, that king and the king is king over all other people who think they're king because he's king of kings. And then the book of Revelation, do you like that? I just had to put all that out there. Today we're going to all walk around and go, he is king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he's over all people who think they're king because he's king of kings. Just have to say that again. Should I say it again? No, just kidding. And in the book of Revelation, when he comes then, he's not just coming to be nice. He's coming to show up and he's coming to show off. Do I get an amen up in there? So I'll say this in closing. It's like the man who saw the wagon, the little wagon, run away with a little boy in it. And he saw the wagon. A horse was dragging the wagon and the boy would be killed. The young man ran over and he was able to get the horse, grab a hold of the horse, and he stopped the horse. And he stopped the horse and he saved that young man's life. The young man grew up, and the young man became a very ornery, terrible boy. He became a terrible young adult, and he began to commit all kinds of crimes. He was finally found for committing a dastardly crime. So therefore, he was brought before the judge. When the young man looked up, he noticed, he noticed that the judge was the same man who had saved him when he was just a boy. It was time for him to be sentenced. 
That's when the young man said to the judge, Your Honor, Your Honor, I don't know if you remember, but I'm the boy that you saved when I was just a little guy. I'm the boy that you delivered when I was young. What he was hoping was because he reminded him of that, that he would get a less sentence. That's when the judge said to him, Well, back then, you see, I was your savior. But right now, I am your judge. Right now, church, God is your savior. And when you stand before him, he's going to be your judge and he's going to want to know then, what did you do with my salvation in ruling your life as a member of my kingdom? And when you stand before me at the judgment seat of Christ, what will that look like? So let me say this. Don't just let him be a king. Let him be the king. Let him be your king. Don't let him just be a king or the king. Make him the king of all kings so that you can see what it looks like when the king takes over the rule of all of your life. One of the great offers of our Savior Jesus Christ is life. An abundant life. That means a fulfilled life. Today so many people are just existing because they don't possess the life of God. If you don't know that you possess the life of God, let's just right here, right now, today, let's just get that fixed. Right where you're at, in your seat. And Jesus Christ is offering you his life. The Bible says, He that hath the Son has life. Isn't that awesome? So if you want life, not existence, the forgiveness of sins, the guarantee of heaven, and having Jesus Christ involved with your life on earth, all of that in this package is called life. And he's offering it to you for free. You all have to admit, there's not much that's free today, is there? Things cost a lot of money. But life in Christ is free. So how do you get it? You simply go to Jesus Christ. And you put your trust in him alone for it. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't go to church for it. None of that can give you life. Only the one person of Christ can give you life. And in just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to pray with you. And I want you to pray it after me. You just have to mean it for yourself. And I'm going to do something different because the Lord laid it on my heart. If you are in this room... Because I brought up several different things from the entrance. To acknowledge him as king. To understanding his kingdom. To baptism. To understanding what baptism meant for him. To understand that he is just not, it's not just something we do, but that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Then I brought in, have you allowed him, have you surrendered and allowed him to be king of your life this Palm Sunday and this Easter season? For the candidates that are in here, 
I would like you to do something. For those that are getting baptized next week, can you just rise to your feet? Would you mind doing that? If you're getting baptized, can you just rise to your feet? Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? Let's give And for some that are in this room, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He says, after they were saved, they got baptized, remained standing. I want you to say a prayer with me. I want us to just say it outwardly. Because I want you to believe it inwardly. For those being baptized, you're actually saying, I'm going to be baptized in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. That's the new life in Christ because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I know there are some kids that are getting baptized as well, young adults, and they're not in here. But I want all of us, if you will, to join with me in this sinner's prayer. And for some of you, maybe you've never made that commitment. And for some of you, you might say, I would like to say that prayer. I've made it before. Maybe I have in my life. But if you'd like to do it with those that are being baptized, would you like to say that with me and rise to your feet? And if we want to do that, let's rise to our feet together and we'll say that sinner's prayer out loud. Just so that we can, together, with them, just say that prayer. Let's rise together. And as we say this prayer, we'll just say it out loud. And you can look up at the screen because I have it up here. And I want to know for sure. Listen, do we enjoy this fellowship? Hallelujah. Don't you love coming to church and just hearing about who our king is and who rules our kingdom? Hallelujah. And isn't it great just to know that we can stand beside people? And I'll say this to you. Nothing matters. We can come to church and paint. We can do all the pretty things. And we can put together a stage that shows the the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We can show the crucifixion and the, the crown of thorns that were laid upon his head. None of that matters. And if I can't do eternity with you in the kingdom, then anything and everything that we've done is for nothing. You need to be a child of God. And you need to accept him today as Lord and Savior. Would you agree with me? For he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then he proceeds to say in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from death, saved from hell, saved from torment. Today can be your day of salvation. Let's just say this together like we've meant it. And you, you may know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But those that are moving forward in their own walk, let's say it today with commitment. And we'll say it out loud just because we want all of the earth, all of the angels, all of the kingdom to say that at New Hope Talmadge today, He is our King and He is our Lord. And we acknowledge Him today on this Palm Sunday. Read with me if you would. Let's say this together. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I know I can't save myself, but you've offered me the free gift of eternal life in exchange for my sin. So I placed my sin next to your cross, believing you died as my substitute and I receive now the eternal life that you said you would give me for free if I came to you 
for it. I receive that now. And I thank you for my new salvation. In Jesus' powerful name. In Jesus' holy name. My Savior. My King. And my Lord. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father God, we celebrate, Lord, you. And we thank you that today you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, as the praise team comes forward and we prepare our hearts. Lord, if there's some here that just say, Lord, I, maybe this coming Sunday I'm not on the list. I'm going to get baptized. Maybe I've done it before. I didn't understand the significance of what baptism is and what it does. And Lord, that I need to forget my past and I need to move in freedom.